Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey, Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. This is episode 80, and it's uh, myself, AJ, here with Ryan and Chris, and we're going to talk about all things Jets, whatever there is left to talk about, and as well as uh, some future things to talk about. So, Chris and Ryan, thanks for taking the time to do this on this beautiful Saturday, March the 14th night, in case people need context for when we're recording. Uh, Chris, do you have anything to say? To, to, yeah, you know, I, I yourself. This, well, this is a pretty big event to record this podcast, considering I was standing in line for toilet paper tomorrow morning, and you've dragged <laughs> me away from that. I was going to be at Costco first thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we've all taken a break from our doomsday prepping. Uh, Ryan, uh, how has your doomsday prepping been going? I haven't eaten anything but toilet paper in the last four days. Um, am I doing it right? Ryan, the only other person I could think of in the world that enjoys eating toilet paper jokes as much as myself. That's perfect. I love it. Mac, have you been eating toilet paper or no? No, I shower after I eat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think we're mixing up. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about the Jets for a little bit here, guys. Okay, so. I've been wiping my ass with bread for the last week. (laughs) All right. <laughs> Nutella oh. and honey. Is this rants optional? No. Okay, we got to start again. No, no we don't. We can't. Keep it going. This is fine. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to listen. Well, maybe everybody will listen. We'll have 10,000 listens because everybody's just stuck in their homes. Anyhow, getting to the Jets. Before this all shut down, before the NHL shut down, uh, going just by the month of March. The Jets are actually 4-0. They're on a four-game win streak. They uh, outscored opponents 15-5. They beat Edmonton, Arizona, two of the, and Vegas, and Buffalo, which is a bit more negligible with those other three teams. They're all sort of teams they're in the mix with. So lately, the Jets have been playing all right. Six straight one in their last 10. Um, in the, that last little bit there, uh, maybe I'll throw it to you, uh, Chris. Uh, what have you seen that you like? Because it seems like the Jets kind of turned a corner where they're actually playing a little bit better. You know, they're above the line with their expected goals. Uh, what are some of the main differences that you've seen, you know, before this all shut down? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I want to say if the season doesn't resume, they'll have lots of momentum going into next year with a four-game winning streak. <laughs> um, but honestly, since after the All-Star game, I think that's when it was. Um, I think I noticed a lot of um, a little more risk taking on the offensive end. Um, the first about 50 games or 55 games or so in that range, you seem to you seem to see a lot of perimeter play, and then the play didn't really go from there. And it seemed to me that they're scoring all their goals transitionally. And then right after, I think they played Washington, right, kind of right after the All Star break. And yeah, it seemed that first late. that first game after the break, they were sending guys would seem to be to high danger zones and then passes from the from the perimeter into those spots. And I remember asking a couple of people on Twitter, is this just me? It's just just me. And I remember Harrison and a couple other people mentioning, yeah, it looks like there's a little bit of a different, you know, thing happening here. And um, kind of since then that it hasn't been like, let's be honest, it hasn't been painful to watch them on the offensive end of the ice. Um, there's there's definitely been, I think, like I said, I think what you've seen is a strategy change where they're actually allowing the forwards to make the pass 
to the center of the ice that they weren't earlier in the season. We talked about this on the podcast, that they weren't doing that to protect the lousy defense they had. And now I think maybe that they have a, a, a healthier decor. They were a little more confident in making passes that could result in turnovers and, but also create high danger shots. Right. Now, I, uh, just in the last four games, I mentioned they've outscored opponents 15 to five. So that's a 10 goal differential there. And their differential on the season is plus 13. So in that last four games, they've really seemed to turn up like you're talking about that they're scoring more goals uh, or getting to those high danger chances or getting that. Now, obviously this is just last four games, but it feels like the whole thing is actually looks a little bit different. Um, I, I will mention too, they played 71 games, 11 games left, uh, two games ahead of uh, Nashville or two games more played than Nashville, Vancouver and uh, Minnesota who are playing them all within three points. So I just, for a bit more context, um, Ryan, what, what about you? What do you see? That's maybe a little bit different. Are you seeing something? Is there, is it still the Hellebuck show or is there certain players that are maybe standing out that have been making this, uh, I don't know, a, a better game to watch or is it just sort of the, the style of play that like Chris has alluded to? Well, you have to – Hellebuck has been the reason all year, right? And that hasn't stopped. He's definitely still winning games or keeping them in games that maybe they uh, would be a lot closer or that they would have lost. Um, in his last few games, like the Jets gave up two goals, two goals, zero, one during this four-game winning streak. So he's definitely still the reason that they are where they are in the playoff hunt. But there has been also those subtle changes that Chris alluded to that they just seem to be more aggressive. I don't see as much dump and chase, more controlling the puck in the zone, uh, better passing. Just a lot of little things. There's nothing that really just flashes out at you as saying, hey, this is something that they're doing 100 times better than earlier. It's just little details, I think, are really... um, really rounding out right now and at a good time well at a good time during the streak and now who knows all right so we're going to move into talking about a few players that maybe have some some responsibility of why the jets might be playing a little bit better or why we're noticing things i'm going to start with kyle connor now we've all heard about his defensive laps and he's been sort of a um, topic of conversation on twitter at least a lot where uh, people will cite that he's not good at defense, but then others will cite how great he is at goal scoring. Now, just to kind of put into context his goal scoring, his scoring, he's got 38 goals so far this year, with still, like I mentioned, 11 games left in the season. Uh, the best ever in Jets 2.0 history was Liney with 44. Now, Kyle Connor's got 38 with only nine power play goals. Um, Liney, when he got his 44, he had 20 power play goals and... Um, uh, Shifley, when he had his 38, which it looks like Kyle Connor, if they play any more this season, will pass uh, Shifley and may even pass Liney. But Shifley had 12 power play goals. So Kyle Connor scoring at a very high rate and not even with the excuse of uh, the power play goals. Is is that something that uh, has impressed you guys where you're kind of like maybe OK with his defensive deficiencies? Although he seems to have gotten a lot better uh, with it this year. Um, I mean, in the sample size of this year, or maybe the last 50 games, got to think it's, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I got to think it's a lot better. But what do you guys think of uh, his goal scoring prowess? Maybe Chris, we'll start again with you. And is this maybe one of the best goal scoring, you know, displays we've seen from Jets 2.0? Well, there's no, uh, I was going to say, there's no doubt he's the most talented scorer, but I don't even think that's true. 
that said, if you're having an argument about who your best scorer is, and it's between a guy that scored 44 goals before and a guy that probably would score 40 as well, and both of them are in their first few seasons, that's a pretty good problem to to have about your hockey team. Uh, I think that that's pretty great. Um, they'll always say the hardest thing to do in hockey is is score a goal. So you got to give them that, especially at five on five. It's it's really that's incredible. Um, I think I'll take a guy that scores 40 goals a year that was drafted 15th or 17th overall or whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's huge. Um, even with defensive lapses, uh, he, he, this team isn't known as a defensive powerhouse. We've never had defensive forwards. He's playing on a top line that has struggled for a couple of years defensively. I mean, I'll take it. I think what, we often, when we talking, when we're talking on the show, we talk about Twitter, and what we've heard on Twitter is the if you're going to trade a guy, he's the guy, um, which which some people interpret as he sucks. It's sort of like the Brian Little conversation we were having six months ago. Um, right. Just be just because somebody isn't perfect doesn't mean he's not good. Um, you know. He's he's fantastic, and can we keep him on the team forever? That's great. I'm okay with that. Issue is, can you afford Line A, Connor, and Ehlers? Well, I don't think you can. So if one of them's got to go, he seems like the guy that should go. That's that's the conversation we should have been having. Um, right. But great player, great goal scorer, which again is the hardest thing hardest thing to do is score goals. So we'll take the goal scoring. Absolutely. Um, we will actually touch on Ehlers, too, in the season he's having. Uh, I believe it's probably a safe assumption to say that Line A has probably had the most shots of any Jets in 2.0 in a season. He had 245 a couple years ago. Uh, Kyle Connor's at 239, so he's only six shots short. So just to kind of give you an idea of the volume that he's getting, like I mentioned, he's 11 power play goals less than Line A did and only six goals behind him with potentially 11 games. Now, Chris, you mentioned the five-on-five stuff, too. This is franchise. I know people hate the Atlanta references, but Ryan, I'm going to pose the question to you. Is this the best uh, goal scoring we've ever seen? Jets 2.0. But even strength scoring in franchise history, he's ranked fourth of all time. He's got 28, like I mentioned. He's got the 38 minus the nine. I think he's got a shorthand or empty net or something there as well. Uh, So fourth with uh, 28, uh, the first three spots are taken by like, by Kovalchuk, 34, 31, and 29. Huh. So in Jets 2.0 history, nobody has more even even uh, strength goals in a season than Kyle Connor. And then he's quickly followed by Liney with 27 and, and Shifley with 26. So Ryan, I'll throw it over to you. The Kyle Connor's goal-scoring season and not even having to rely on the power play to get it. Um, what do you think? Well, I think that he's just such a good all-around player right now, or I shouldn't say all-around player, but he, he's not just a one-trick pony scoring goals, but he's also getting those assists. He has the 35 assists for 73 points, which shows that he's out there doing more things than just scoring goals. And I think he does all those things really under the radar, right? When when Jets are skating down the ice, you're looking for Shifley, you're looking for Line A. Not a lot of people are looking at Kyle Connor earlier in the season, and now it's starting to pick up that, hey, this guy might be the best goal scorer on the team. Now, he's number six in the NHL this year for goal scoring. He has more goals than Connor McDavid. He has more goals than Nathan McKinnon. He has more goals than Nikita Kucherov. Those are big-name players. So when you have more 
uh, more goals than those guys. Mm-hmm. There's definitely got to be a conversation. Yeah, is he one of the best goal scorers that we've had in Winnipeg? And I, I think he is. Yeah. Now, uh, just out of curiosity, so he's sitting on 38. Uh, who's in number one right now in the NHL? And Ovechkin. Or, Pastor. sorry, Ovechkin Pastor. and uh, Pasternak are tied at 48. Okay, so so he's not really, like even with 11 games, not really in a Rocket Richard conversation, but probably in a best Jets 2.0 goal-scoring conversation for sure, right? I think we can all agree to that. Well, six, six and 11 is tough, especially yeah. when you're already scoring five in the last six or six in the last seven or whatever he has. Right. So to double that seems pretty crazy. Obviously, we should clarify all things. This is a conversation, all things being equal, as if the the games were continuing to be played, right? Um, not if they start back up in three weeks. Um, but that's a that's a tough ask to think six goals in eleven games after you've just done six goals in seven or whatever. But I mean, it's there, right? You get a hat if you get a hat trick in one of the last eleven games, then you're probably going to do yep. it. So, and then the team starts looking for you every empty netter, right? Like that's uh, starts being way they can kind of feed you the record too, and, right? Right. And if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to win seven of those 11 games. So you're going to need him to score between 10 and 14 goals in that time. If you have any chance of making the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know it doesn't work that way, but you know what I mean? If, if yeah. things play out the way it's expected, that's what the numbers would look like pretty close. Yeah. I just I'm, I've just been really impressed with just uh, kind of sitting down looking at the numbers and whatnot, watching some of the highlights uh, of him more recently. And I was like, well, this is good. And again, not looking at the defensive things, but yeah, definitely um, should get some more credit. But I think some people are giving credit before he deserved it. So now it's sort of lining up with reality, the, the amount of praise that he's getting from from everybody, I think. So even even those of us that have slammed him for defensive uh, stuff. Um, the next person I want to talk about was Wheeler. Um, he does have more goals than he did last season. Right now, I'm just talking production numbers. Obviously, I know there's heat maps and per sixty, and where everyone's uh, they're on power play and shorthanded. But uh, he's basically on pace for 75 points um, versus the last two seasons when he had 91. Um, so I'm just kind of curious. Maybe I'll throw this to you first, Ryan. Um, Wheeler's drop off per se in points. I mean, it's still close to a point a game, and he's he's Wheeler, um, so he's been a great player for the Jets but what would you attribute that to is his usage and maybe having to play center and having different line mates and chemistry or is it just maybe a down year are we are actually starting to see the the regression of Blake Wheeler again still at almost a point a game but obviously he's also got five years left on his contract so talking about Wheeler what do you what do you um you know maybe attribute uh some of his lack or less less production to I think that, yeah, maybe we're seeing a bit of regression because of age. Now, Blake Wheeler didn't hit his prime until, what would you say, two years ago? And he was already and he was already getting up there in age. That's why he got the big contract. But now I think we're starting to see the backside of that, uh, of that peak. And that's okay, because this year he hasn't been terrible. But you can no. just see that there's little things. His uh, He's not as fast. He can't break down that right side like he used to. Uh, two years ago, he would fly down there and all of a sudden he'd be set up in the zone. His passing and his vision, I don't know if they're there either. Uh, and that's just looking at the power play because he's the quarterback for that power play. They set up set him up on that right wall and then he has his four options as to, as to who he wants to go to. 
And I, I just don't see him making those plays that he was doing when the power play was really smoking, right? He he doesn't he doesn't get the puck where he needs to go too quick, and he holds on to it a bit long. Um, but maybe that that could also be other players, right? That aren't just getting themselves open, or the defenders are learning what they do on the power play. Now I know you're not just talking about power play; you're talking about all aspects of Blake Wheeler. But I, that just goes to what I was saying about his speed. I just don't see it being there for the last half of last year and uh, for this year for the most part. Right. Um, I think, go ahead, it, I, I agree with what Ryan's saying completely. Um, because didn't last year he get something like 60% or 70% of his points on the power play? So yeah. I don't know what the number is, but it was huge, right? So the question is, is his... Um, regression responsible for the power play struggling or is the power play struggling the reason for his point totals being down um if you're the quarterback right if you're if you're peyton manning uh i i know where the responsibility lies is on the quarterback right um so i don't uh, you have to kind of point the finger at him a little bit if if the power play is not working and he's not putting up the points and he's the one in charge of it, I mean, he doesn't drop the plays, but you know what I mean? He, he's in charge of distributing the buck. Uh, yeah, you got to look at that. And especially as we've been talking about all year, if you're not, if, if Patrick Line is not getting the puck and he's not, there's a problem, right? Um, how many power plays goals did you say Line scored in that rookie in that 44 goal season, right? Uh, he had 20. To- yep. You need he needs to be scoring twenty goals a year on the power play. That's easy. That's an easy twenty goals. Fifteen yeah. last year. Right. They, that. How is that not happening? It, it, we get ripped all the time for stop making criticizing the coaches. This and that. This and that. How are you not ensuring that that guy's scoring twenty power play goals a year by any means necessary? <laughs> yeah. It's that's a gift, and you're not using it. Like it's such a ripoff. Yeah, I like I like that. Kind of remind people, remember at the beginning of the year, there was a whole line and wheeler switching sides, and they said they'd worked on that for like two years, and now they finally implemented it. And basically, they did it for the first 10 games. Did they ever do it again after that? I don't even know if they did it for 10 games, honestly. It felt like the first six games, and everybody talked about it, and then it just kind of disappeared. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Tyler Myers playing second line left, you know, left side <laughs> B or whatever, right? And that was like all everybody talked about in preseason two years ago, and then that disappeared very, or was the last year even. Um, yeah, the, it just disappeared right away, and everyone forgot that that was the idea that we were sold that was supposed to be a good idea by you know some exceptional coach. Um, and that's I'm not even actually I'm being sarcastic, obviously, but uh, it wasn't supposed to be a Maurice slam. But it's it's amazing how quickly people forget that. So you're talking about the power play lining not getting this. I thought they came up with a dynamic idea to sort of change up the look, and then where did that go again? Well, right? I agree, and and and. How many? How long can you go with? How can you? This is always my thing. This is why I like to do the bigger conversations than just a couple games. Couple games. How many times can you walk into work in the morning and go, "Fuck, this guy"? We got to figure out a way to get him the puck. Like, if your if your power play was producing at eighty four percent, it wouldn't matter who was scoring. But when your power play is not going, and you've got the second best shooter in the league on your team. Like, how are you just not doing anything in your power to fix that? Yeah. And you just throwing Neil Pionk out there and hoping it works and hoping. And are we also seeing how important Bufflin was for all the people that are like, we don't yes. need him. 
screw yes. him, fuck that guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, look <laughs> what happens when he's not on the ice. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing how much crap he took for the things he did when he was on the ice and how much crap he took afterwards. I know we talked about that a couple times before, but it's like, so are you just saying like everything went through? Like basically everybody at this point has to admit that Buff was ridiculously important. I don't care if you don't like kind of what's happened this year, but like that it's so different than than what we've seen this year, right, too. Um, yeah, that, that that's a good point. Sorry, that's one I've kind of ragged on a couple people in person too, so. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move along uh, to other things so we don't uh, go too long here. Uh, we'll talk about Ehlers for a little bit. So he's very close to a career year. He's at 60, what is it, 67 points? Or, no, he's on pace, I think, for 67 versus 64 was his best. He's on pace for basically 29 goals, which is also his uh, career high. So, I mean, not necessarily quote-unquote a career year, but certainly his best year. Um, I know you, you, Chris, definitely alluded to him being you know, the Jets' best player many times. Uh, looks like he's playing as best as he ever has. But still, the knock on him has always been not a point producer in the playoffs. And I know some people do not want to hear that. It feels like such a weird, goofy argument. Uh, but, um, yeah, just maybe you can talk. Uh, I'll start with you, Ryan, just about healers and his year that he's having. Uh, he's looking like it's pretty good. He's getting nice production. Um, do you think this is year if the Jets actually make the playoffs that he can kind of you know, shut up the haters a little bit? For sure. Um, I'd never seen an issue, though, with Ehlers' play in the playoffs before. Uh, right. This year, certainly, he is he's very important to how, they, how the Jets can gain zone entrance, right? So you right. see with a lot of their lines, they're dumping, chasing. And, and when you do that, you're turning over the puck, what is it, 50% of the time? And then it's coming back the other way. But when, when you watch Ehlers, he, go, he gets so much speed working through that neutral zone. And he just gains zone entry so easily. And then they can set up, which is which is something that the team needs really badly. Um, on the second power play unit, for example, you see them come on, even though they, they don't come out very often. Or they, or they don't come out at all. Yeah. yeah. But he, he stands out. I wonder why they don't try him on that first unit sometimes just to, you know, get things set up because that's yeah. what he does best. And that's what makes a second power play unit somewhat dangerous when they do get a chance because he, he's so quick and he, he moves the puck very well. I often wonder if uh, how much stuff goes back to the coach and this isn't even a, in a negative way, but where we look at it and we assume that a player is not doing something but maybe they've been told not to do something or maybe the players requested not to do something. I know for myself coaching kids, like whatever, but uh, that there was times where parents would come and complain about, you know, what was happening with their kid. Cause I was a terrible coach. No, I wasn't bad. Um, but they didn't realize <laughs> that I'd given the kid like a very specific role, like maybe, the, you know, uh, some real, you know, uh, energy type. I just put them on like their best player just to kind of shut them down. And they're just wondering why they're never playing on their strong side of the field or something. I often one with Ehlers and that power play too specifically. Um, if there's something more going on that that we can't know, but I I don't know if I could really pin down exactly what it be if player preference or coach reasoning. Uh, Chris, do you can you see anything with Ehlers thing why we you know we don't see more of him on that that power play because of exactly what Ryan cited there. I don't think the, the team values that zone entry the way um, 
the way the hawk the new hockey world does i think i was gonna say and i think it really fits here is we're starting to put that value on that eric eric carlson pk suban uh defenseman right um where that's your your plus as a defenseman is being able to get the puck out of your your own end and i think the next evolution of that is hey can we get it all the way into the puck all the way into the offensive zone at all times right the more pressure you have up front the the less chance there is for the other team to score a goal so maybe Ehlers isn't the best in his own end i know he's he's good but maybe he's not strong in his own end but the fact is he's not in his own end very often and if you played him with a essentially two more guys like him, they would be great defensively because the puck would never be in their own zone, right? Maybe once they got hemmed in there, they might have a little bit of trouble. Um, But you know what I'm saying? They're going to move that puck out. And I wonder if that's the next evolution of the sport is, you know, move the puck up, move the puck up sort of thing. And he's just perfect for it. Um, I, I, I love, I love what he does. Um, I don't think the playoff thing is anything. It's a small sample size. Uh, the only thing I'd say is, uh, as much as he's my favorite Jet by a mile, I wouldn't make him my franchise player. Even though he's that good, like people, like it's even me, people want him on the top line. People want this. People look at his stats, and we're we're not even really joking when we say he's the best Jets forward and all that. But I'm not sure if I'd be willing to make him the focus of my team which is crazy. It has nothing to do with the playoff points. I don't know what it is. And I think maybe that's what some of the other people that are amazingly, they're people that don't like him. I, maybe that's the same sort of thing is there's something about it. I would not be comfortable trading. We'll say Shifley and, and, and line and saying, okay, Ehlers is our guy, even though he's statistically their best forward. Uh, Has that ever been a conversation though? No, I'm just saying, uh, I'm just wondering if that's maybe the the missing link, like like we're talking about, that there are people that don't believe it, and oh, he fades in the playoffs, and he's not this, and he's not that, and here's somebody that's been his biggest fan for three years, four years, and I kind of get that. Like, yeah. again, I wouldn't hang my franchise on the on the guy. I think he's a great complimentary player, maybe, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe you're the best second-line winger in the NHL sort of thing, you know, given the a great number two center and all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but he's yeah fantastic, I totally agree. You know? Yeah. Uh, he's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I, I love it. I love the game. I wish there were more players on our team like him. Um, I think I think Kyle Connor could play like him. I wonder right. if his line mates. I wonder if his line mates cause him not to, or his coach causes him not to. That that's a you know there are two players that often get compared. I mean Kyle Connor and, and and yeah Kyle Connor and Line A sort of get put in the same category, but sometimes Connor and Ehlers get put in the same conversation too. Now what I just kind of pointed out about you know Kyle Connor's goal scoring, Chris, you just mentioned you know maybe he can grow into that player. Is this sort of like as good as Ehlers is, is this his ceiling? I kind of get the sense like this is Ehlers will always know is what he is. And I'm, I'm not taking away from it. I'm kind of agreeing with you that it's not like he's a superstar. He's like, you're, he's not your A plus player. He's your A player. And it's nice to have him there. But if you're talking about trading a player for defensive help, like, cause just cause the conversations come up before, I don't think we're in the position where we have to trade either of them anytime soon uh, necessarily, but, do you kind of feel like with the ceiling that Connor maybe has, it's it's higher than what Ehlers 
has, if he could, grow into the same player and have those strengths, but also have that goal-scoring uh, knack that he's he's shown this year. It, it, like I, I mean, before I would have said I would take Ehlers over Connor, but right now it almost feels like a bit closer to a coin toss for myself. What do you think about that, Chris, being an Ehlers fanboy? I don't think there's any team, maybe this is just quickly off the dome, but I don't think there's any team that he scores more than 30 goals with. No, right. I, I I agree. Right. Yeah. He scores thirty. He scores thirty goals as a first line player for Vancouver, or he scores thirty goals as a second line player for Pittsburgh. Like, it, I don't think it matters. He's just going to be. I agree with what you're saying, AJ. That he is what he is. That said, so this is when you get into the fancy stat stuff. Is Connor's 30, 39 goals for and fifty goals against more right. important yeah. than than Ehlers thirty goals for and twenty two goals against? Well, yeah. I we all know the answer to that. So, yeah. so you have to take Ehlers every time. Yeah, I guess you're just looking at maybe ceiling, and I, I guess my question is a bit more: Have we seen is this Ehlers ceiling? I know he's you know fourth, fourth, fifth year player, whatever. People say, oh, he's got so much room to grow, but, um, but maybe not. Like, and Ryan, you Guys, alluded he's to at the what fact 25, 26, and he's twenty five now, right? Ish, yeah. twenty four, twenty five. I mean, he's there. Yeah. He's just smart enough say there to add to his game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's, sorry, it's just does, Connor have, does Connor have the physical ability to add anything to his game? Ehlers seems more rugged. He seems wider. He seems tougher. I don't, Connor doesn't have, Connor just looks like a guy you work with, you know? Um, uh, Ehlers, and Ehlers KFC. The most, Ehlers, yeah. Ehlers might have the most uh, fighting penalty minutes this year. Who knows? <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> Probably looked it up. He's our, he's our tough guy, right? Forrester. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's let's move off those guys. Uh, Chris, you want to touch it briefly, but uh, on this, uh, and I'll let you both kind of go, but uh, I'll go to Ryan first. Uh, just about the goalies. Uh, before the season started, I know a lot of people say 60 goals or 60 games started for Hellebuck is kind of what you want for your starting goalie. And then the other, whatever, 22 for, um, for your backup. Right now, with 11 games left, Hellebuck is at 56 games started. So he's definitely going to eclipse 60 again like you said chris if if they do you know play play this uh, season out and um and brossois at 15 so uh how do you guys feel about that goalie usage uh, would you like to see have seen connor play a little bit less or do you think it actually worked out pretty well and in our favor was there some lapses in in his play because of over usage so ryan we'll start with you on that one i mean i think this is exactly what we expected, right? Is that Maurice really rides the hot hand. He rides his hot lines. He does, he, he I'm not going to say he runs him into the ground because Connor Hellebuck doesn't really regress. He didn't regress in the playoffs two years ago when he started 64 games. Last year, well, that was a different year for him, but started 62. I think I just expected now that he is going to play most games and I think I remember that Maurice has said that he talks with Connor and and says hey like how are you feeling and you go and he wants to play every game if he can now I know that's every hockey player would like to play every game if they could but uh, he's he's been getting almost better somehow throughout the year so I don't know if you would uh if you would swap him out for Brassois for a couple games just to rest him, well, that's kind of a moot point at this moment because, well, in that four-game winning streak, that was over, what, like two weeks? They had a couple three-day breaks. 
Right. So he was resting up there, but um, heading into a playoff rush with 11 games left, I think you're playing him 10 of those. Well, yeah, I guess because they're, they're, they're not guaranteed anything right now, right? So they're sitting 10th yeah. points percentage, so they're still behind uh, those other teams that, you know, they got points in hand, but the other team's got games in hand that could uh, surpass them. So, yeah, they, they do have to play them, right? You're right. Now, now Brossois is not a bad backup goalie, and you can trust him, but when points are this hard to come by right now and it is so tooth and nail to the finish line, you have to ride them to the end. Yeah. Although, you know what, thinking there might, uh, just as off the top of my head here, um, once they, if and when they come back, you got to think there's going to be some sort of condensed schedule. If they start doing condensed schedule and there's some back-to-backs, that might change that look a little bit because going, like, had the season played out as normal, uh, the Jets had no back-to-backs uh, left, and that's always the spot where you usually split it up. But you got to think if they're going to try and condense something and get these playoffs done by the end of July, assuming again we come back, we'll talk about the coronavirus uh, implications. Um, there's going to be some back to backs in those last 11 games, likely, right? So, so maybe yeah. we don't see them for that's a good point, those, yeah. right? I don't know, just a, just a thing. Chris, I know you're a huge Hallibuck fan, so you probably want to weigh in a little bit on his play, and I know you want to talk to Vesna as well, so go for it. Well, yeah, I think also with the, with the scheduling and with goalies and stuff, I think a lot of people forget most of the time um, goalies are rested me- for their mental, not for their physical, right? Um, right? Especially nowadays where obviously the training's so much better, the athletes are more fit. A guy like Hellebuck doesn't move nearly, nearly as much as goalies used to, up and down a lot more, but he's so, st- you know, small, you know, small movements and and big in his net so you're mostly resting out of out of mental fatigue um and there's a guy you can say what you want about him that guy doesn't have a a, you know anything in it no dent in his armor right he's super positive he's super to a point where it's actually been a problem right yeah I see nothing wrong with my game. He's shit the bed and and people have been like, and he's like, no, I like my game. Right. So that's an issue. Um, But I think it's a good thing. Right. If if you're that mentally tough, you're that mentally strong. That's a huge thing. Um, Especially in crunch time, he wants to be in net. And I think, yeah, if you've got, if you've got 11 games left, he might play all of them. You're right. If, if the, how the schedule is going to look and stuff, we can't really predict. Um, But on that, I think he's getting shortchanged by the media in this city. and then that also turns into nationwide. I think it's a ridiculous that he's not all they're talking about on the radio. I think it's ridiculous that it's not all they're talking about on Twitter, um, that this guy honestly should be in the running for the Hart Trophy and for sure head and shoulders winning the Vesna race. Um, it's crazy. And I think that uh, uh, AJ and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in person that a lot of how the outside media get their information is from the team's local media. When the team comes in from a road trip, they they stand around, they visit, they find what's going on, and then so they get a narrative. We if were the I lo- was there, Chris. <laughs> if the local media isn't carrying the narrative that this is all Connor Hellebuck and the local media's story is that this is Paul Maurice's genius working with this uh, defensive crew, um, that the national media is not picking up on that and. And the national media vote on that trophy. Uh, they don't vote on that trophy. They vote on the MVP. So the Hart Trophy, I mean, forget it. And then as far as the GMs go, well, they don't have that. They're not looking at fancy stats, right? 
So they see Vasilevsky come in and win 20 games in a row or whatever he won, unbeaten in 20 games. That's enough for them. So the Vesna is not a lock for him. And the Hart Trophy is not going to be there because he's not being talked about. He's not getting talked about in that. They are starting to jump on the Vesna train nationally, but not the Hart Trophy train. And he should be on it. I'm not saying he should win it. I'm mostly kidding about that. But he should be in there. He should be in the top five. Yeah, you also had him for Norris and Jack Adams. So. Well, Jack Adams, I didn't have him for Norris. <laughs> oh, you didn't have him for Norris. I that, think I no, had that's him for Norris. That's Ben Sherratt in, in Montreal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right, though. I think uh, regardless, almost regardless of how this season plays out, uh, whether there's any more games or just a few games or they manage to squ- squish in the rest, I don't think anything really changes the the narrative enough that he gets it, even if he's deserving. He's going to get votes. He's going to, you know, finish, you know, third or second in in votes for certain trophies. But uh, I don't think uh, he'll he'll win anything because because uh, Winnipeg, right? I mean, Winnipeg will hate on that when that happens, but they'll also wear it like a badge of honor too because that's Winnipeg, right? That we're always the little guys that can never get through. So uh, screw the national media, screw you know everyone who doesn't get us, right? That's kind of kind of our thing. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I thought one, no agreements, nothing there. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Ryan, one question I was going to ask you about. I know this is a, a hill that you, at the earlier part of the season, wanted to die on. Um, but uh, Neil Pionk, right? There was lots of question marks with him coming in. People often, you know, keep doing the obnoxious comparison to Jacob Truba with, like, no context at all. But he has been pretty good. I don't want to really say it's a career year for him because he's only in his second year and his first year was in awful New York Rangers, but it's certainly better than last year. Um, what do you want to say positive about Neil Pionk? Because there were the haters. We were all probably one at one time, but uh, he's been serviceable. But I mean, when we start talking maybe full-time Niku, maybe Hinola, maybe Sandberg, I mean, I don't know how much of each of those guys you know about. You add them to the lineup, maybe where this guy actually slots into the, the depth chart. But uh, I know that you've, you've liked what you've seen from him. He's uh, got six goals and 30 Seven or 39 assists. I, I can't read my own writing just for, for context. So, um, yeah, do you want to add anything about Neil Pionk and his season? Because I'm sure some people would love to hear it. He has 39 assists. I can read your writing all the way in Brandon. Holy. But, uh, <laughs> he's been all right. You know, coming into the season, I was optimistic. I think the biggest thing was that we were losing Truba and replacing him with someone that was unknown. That was the bigger scare. I don't know if it was necessarily that we were saying, oh, we got a bad player. We just didn't know if he was going to be able to fill in the spot where Jacob Truba left us. Now, yeah, he's been he's been very decent for us this year. He The biggest thing with defensemen, right, if you don't notice them, that means they're doing a good job. And you don't notice a whole lot of Neil Pionk out there. Now, there's one spot where that is a negative, and that's on the power play. I, I don't know why they have him quarterbacking that thing on the blue line because uh, he doesn't really have the vision or the playmaking skill to get the puck to lining and and get the puck on net. Other than that though, he has been a he's he has been very good and I think if you don't have someone like Neil Pionk this year then you're totally screwed, right? More waiver wires. Yep. Well, sure. yeah, and when you have an eight million cap increase going into next year, possibly, then you can get all those waiver wire pickups that you've ever wanted. <laughs> How <laughs> many waiver wires does eight million dollars equal? 
Is that, a, is that about eight players, probably? You could probably get eight players, yeah. I mean, how much better are the Jets when they get to play with 50 players versus a regular 22, right? Well, they, they only have like 45 NHL contracts on the books right now, so you can get at least five. Yeah. I mean, just by numbers alone, that's uh, the, it, it matters, right? But uh, having that many players on a team? Sorry. I was trying to think of a funnier way to say it, but I had nothing. <laughs> Maybe this would be a good time. Ryan, um, you, you've uh, got something for us. You've set up your uh, recording device here. I, I know this is a weird kind of segue, but... Uh, you set it up with some nonsense hotkeys and voice uh, things. Did you want to tickle everybody's ears oh. with some of the stuff that you come up with or no? AJ, you ruined it because I, I thought it'd be perfect to talk about Pionk for a second and then oh. mention that there's a, there's something way more important than Neil Pionk, which is, and I was hoping um, that Ryan could use the uh, T-Pain app to say <laughs> Dylan DeMello. <laughs> <laughs> like Jason Derulo, because that would have been perfect. Dylan DeMello. <laughs> yes. There yes. we go. Yeah, we didn't even talk about him. But, yeah, uh, yeah there's, so we, could, we could talk about, obviously, every player. But I, I think Pionk was a, an interesting story coming in. DeMello, there's more there. Ryan, you got some more sound effects for us, though, just to kind of uh, lighten the mood instead of my cool. monotone voice? Well, I got a hotkey here that will play our new intro yeah, okay, on do command. Do it. <laughs> I don't know okay. if you guys get that one, but no, I I don't get the reference. No, no, sorry. Okay, no. what well, that you're married, so that's why. Okay. Oh, I think I know now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, was it? He got it. it. <laughs> that's the one I wanted to hear. I was gonna say, play that stupid bar school horn. Then you should have fucking. Then you should have fucking said something worthwhile, and he would have played it. I know. <laughs> yeah, hot takes. <laughs> That's for hot take alert. That's right. Okay, well, here. I got a couple hot takes. This is just uh, nonsense kind of trivia stuff. But um, I, I pointed out the other day on Twitter that Rosovic is actually the best cost per point of any Jets player. I'm not sure if that's a meaningful thing, but I guess when you look at like salaries, and that can obviously skew in different ways. Obviously, it looks worse for defenders and everything. But I want you guys to guess, for players that have played over – Half the season, I think, is about the number of these three players that have played 49 games. So I'm going to kind of give it away there. That are the worst cost per point on the team. Ryan Little is actually the worst, but that's because, you know, five and a half million over seven games is the, the points that he got in that time. Uh, although they were good for the amount of time he played, cost per point didn't work out too well in his favor. But that's obviously a weird skew. But um, for those that have played over half the season, forwards, again, I said it's bad for D. I want you guys to guess who has the worst cost per point on the on the team. Not per goal or per assist, but total points. So, Adam Lowry? Yep. Adam Lowry is one of them. Oof. Um, Kulikov? Guys. No, you can't say defender. I just said it. it's not good for – yeah, Kulikov's way down Blake. there. Uh, I was – sorry, Wheeler. I don't listen to you sometimes. Yeah. No, not Blake Wheeler. He's uh, – He's the worst of players that have played every single game, but also he has a high salary too, right? So Brian Little, that bum only has five points this year. <laughs> In seven games, though. Yeah. So his his point per game average is through the roof. But it's uh, true. Nope. So Mac, you you said Lowry. There's three players that have played 49 games. 
and they're all around uh, 250 to 300 thousand dollars per point is what they cost the the team. Matthew Perot. Yes. Oh, you're cheating. Andrew. I can tell just the way you said it. Nope, not <laughs> maybe. Larry no, Perot and. There's yeah, no one else that's played 49 games. Yeah, you're wrong, Ryan. Because they didn't play it in Winnipeg. It's it's Eakins uh, or Eakins, whatever you Eakins. prefer. It doesn't really matter. The Nobody Pokemon. has to correct anybody. Eakins is fine. Eakin is also acceptable, right, Mac? You can say it however you want. I mean, Thank you. I will. You can wear your, the same same as you can wear your hair however you want. One of them may, probably makes you look like an idiot, though. All right. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it. <laughs> um, uh, talking about Eakins, though, he's a UFA. Uh, quick thing on like him, Dallas Eakins, yeah, like Dallas Eakins, yeah, no, the Pokemon. I, oh. By the way, I did say Eakin that time. Eakin, no, yeah. Ryan, playback. Can you do that? No, Ryan, play, do you play the audio back? <laughs> That one, right? You, you, yeah, you couldn't hear it over the horn, but I said Eakin clearly. <laughs> I may have not, actually. Anyhow, he's a UFA. Do you, from what you guys have seen from him so far, do you think the Jets have any interest in bringing uh, Dallas Cody Eakins uh, back or not? Wouldn't it be great if Cody's middle name was Dallas? That'd be great. Um, yeah. Do you think that he comes back next year from what you've seen from him? Is there enough uh, good stuff going on there or not so much? Well, Maybe uh, okay. Ryan or Mac, whoever. One of you. Both. Same time. Okay. Here, here's the thing um, about so these. So that's what I think. No, I'm just kidding. Go <laughs> ahead. No, go ahead. But here's the thing we have to do anytime we have this conversation. You have to look through True North's eyes or Kevin Shoveldayoff's or, or the real GM, the coach. Yeah. Yes. That's the perfect player. But they're not going to pay him. Are you sure? <laughs> Only if he plays. So if, if they play, then he'll pay. They'll pay. Oh, Jesus. Nice. I knew it. Right. He, he okay. just got it. <laughs> yeah. He you know works when we work. Right. But you know what I'm saying? He's their perfect guy. He's not a per- He's not the perfect guy, but to them he is. Right. But maybe you could comment a little bit more on his play, though. What do you, okay, you've his seen play's from, been from all right. Right. Wait, I mean, okay, so it's sort of like the Kyle Connor thing. He's, he's putting up some points. Okay, he's playing with the two of the three best forwards. So I think if you're an NHL player, you should be able to contribute if you're given second line minutes with the two, essentially two or three of the best forwards on your team and two of the like, you know, 70 best players in the NHL. If you're an NHL player, I should hope you're you're looking all right. If you can skate, you're probably going to perform with those guys. I just think he's a he's exactly what they think they want. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been bad, um, but he isn't what you what your second. I think that's what you just said. He isn't what you want your second line center to be. But I mean, if you can sign him cheap and have him on your on your fourth line, then by all means, go ahead and try it out. If it's for a year or two years, then what's sorry? Is he UFA? He's got to be. Yeah. well, then there's some stupid general manager that's going to throw $6 million a year at the guy. <laughs> Brandon Tanev money. Well, any guy that scored... How many goals did he score last year? 22, Not I think. Enough. Okay, so somebody, somebody's going to 
Detroit or some team is going to throw a ridiculous amount of money at him. Yeah, so he's likely not back in Winnipeg. Winnipeg won't be able to afford him, right? Again, I wouldn't be shocked. And and or, I think we're going to have a similar Brian Little situation to the Bufflin situation, I guarantee. Actually, you know what? That's interesting you bring that up, Brian Little. That might be the thing that it rides on. If Brian Little retires and now they got to fill that quote-unquote 2C role, maybe that's exactly when Dallas Eakins gets a uh, two-year contract. And he was a good defenseman in the uh, in the early '90s, but I don't know if he's still capable to play second line center. <laughs> uh, what do you know? Hey, watch the game, nerd. Um, okay. And when Solani threw his glove in the air after he scored the goal, then Cody caught it. He should have. <laughs> well, because he was in the building watching with his parents. Cody Eakin was yeah. on the ice. When he was yeah. <laughs> you know, Cody Eakin definitely looks a lot older than probably what he's actually listed as. He's got that older older guy look. He's, hey, uh, he's my age. I I think uh, I think friend of the podcast. Five, by the way. What's uh, yeah. I think friend of the podcast, Glenn. He uh, he may have played hockey against him because I think uh, he's born in ninety one. Um. He brought but, but Glenn looks like he's in his 60s, so it all makes sense. Everybody born in 1991 looks 30 years older than they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad year. Um, hey, uh, you know how the everyone cites injuries? The Jets have been decimated with injuries this year, and uh, we've talked about that. They're not really the big players. Um, there is one, two, three, four, five, six players that have played all 71 games. I want you, and I'm going to tell you, they're all pretty good, important players. I want you to see if you guess who they are. So, uh, Chris, or, um, Ryan, we'll start with you. See how many of them you can get, and Chris, you can pick up the the last bit. A little bit of trivia. So I oh, can't. Yeah, one, two, three, I can't five. play. Oh, you're looking, you cheat. I okay. have it. I have all this stuff. See, this is what uh, a proper podcaster would do, AJ. I have the numbers in front of me. I am well informed. I am here for the people. Okay. Okay. So, so you can fact check. Professional podcast. No. This is not a professional podcast. I'm sorry okay, Chris, I use that word, but Chris, you you go. Chris, go. Mark, How many players? Mark Shifley. Correct. Blake. No. Yeah. Yeah. Blake Good Wheeler. Team. I know him. No, Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. Neil Pionk. Yep. Uh, a left winger and a center. Brian. Well, Le- Kind of a no, not Brian Little. Kind of a center. Oh, I guess. Sorry. Casey, I guess Casey's played the whole year. Yep. And sorry, I shouldn't have said center. He's not really playing center, but he's Copper. natural. Copper. Nope. Ah. Oh. You you did pretty good though. Five out of six ain't bad. I'm wondering how everyone else did. No, last one was actually Rosovic was the other one. So that's uh, the the not playing center center was sort of the giveaway. And then uh, Liney and Morrissey and Copper all just a couple. They all a few games back. Um, so okay. yeah, a little bit of trivia. You did pretty good there though. That's uh, and those all those players, including the few that only missed a couple games. That's a pretty significant chunk of our best players. So when people want to cite injuries for the crappy parts of the year. Um, most of our good players were, in fact, healthy. So there you go. Okay, let's. AJ, sorry, quick. There was a stat about impact and games lost, and I tried to share it with you about a month ago. Um, yep. I think we we're ranked ninth as far as player impact to games lost or something like that. 
Like there's some, you know, some nerdy that? fucking thing. What does that um, mean? Like, so it ranks how important the player is compared to the game's loss. So, like, if you lost Connor McDavid for 40 games, it would have more of an impact than if you lost Andrew Kopp for 40 games. So it ranks the the quality of the player right. against the game's so loss. And then, yeah. right, so Pittsburgh, I think, was number one because they had lost Crosby for a significant time, Malkin for a significant amount of time, right? But the Jets hadn't lost anybody important, but we had a lot of man games lost. So we're like ninth in the league in whatever that stat is. I couldn't find it. It was one tweet and it was about a month ago. But yeah, it is a thing that people do now is wait the the games lost or whatever, the man games lost. And and it changes obviously in the Jets situation if you include Buff in that calculation or not, right? So that changes everything. But I mean, Brian Little would be the most notable one, I would say, of uh, the injuries for any significant amount of time. Although... I didn't say Lowry and uh, Perot. They both played 49 games. So that's, what is that, 20, 22 games that they missed? So I guess there, there's there's something there. And some people are, you know, really married to one or two of those players. Some are not. So maybe that's a bit more negligible. But as far as our goal scoring and huge impact players, um, not much missed. So, um, okay, let's move on, guys. Obviously, the Jets aren't playing games. Nobody is. This coronavirus, covid um, I think Mackie said we should call this episode COVID-80, so uh, we should do that for the episode. Um, but th- this thing, everything's shut down. So now, Max, start with you. What do you think? What's the most likely outcome with this? Where, how do you? How much time is off? Do they finish the rest of the season? What's a fair and equitable equitable way to finish the season? Um, or is this the end of sports until fall? Um, yeah. What do you What do you think of all all this situation that uh, has been? littered all over all the sports talk stuff so i want to get all the actual play stuff out of the way before we got to it but uh yeah what's your hot take it's so hard to say uh i think a lot of this depends on your view of the actual epidemic pandemic right because i mean perfect world you know north america locks itself down for two or three weeks um and then you kind of try to go back to um, business as usual. We haven't even started that process yet. Um, Wuhan, China started what almost six or eight weeks ago, and they're still not even really. Um, they're just allowing certain things to happen in in their uh, city and province, and that's. Uh, I don't see. I don't honestly. My just my personal thing. I don't see this season finishing um, in any of the sports. Um, and if it did, I think you'd probably, it's so far down the road that you would probably just see like a top eight, you know, something like that, the bat, the top eight points percentage or something and play a mini, mini tournament or something like that. Best uh, of five series or best of three series. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like a three, five, seven, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see there's enough. I can see the NBA coming back just simply because. Um, first of all, they can play all summer, um, and they want to, from what um, you and I have been talking about, they want to push back their schedule and get that summer market uh, that only baseball has. They're talking about starting their season around U.S. Thanksgiving um, and playing into July or potentially even August, so they wouldn't have a problem with it, but I don't see playing hockey in, in July. I just And the NHL's got no fucking problem canceling hockey. Yeah. Um, even though they don't want to because they're always so worried. 
Yeah, and they're worried, right? They're worried about being forgotten about. And and I get that. They're the smallest league of the of the four and it is gate driven. But I just don't see it happening. There's just physically not enough time. So you're you so you think they hockey season is done? Then, I think yeah. And some that, real abridged if, Stanley Cup. Yeah, if I was putting money on on what's gonna happen, I think I would bet there'd be no hockey until October. All right, interesting. Ryan, how about you? What do you what do you see about all this? And you got any crazy takes on all this? I think up until now, I thought the whole season was going to be a wash. But we've been talking about July. That's four months away, and there's only ten games or so left in the season, right? Yeah. So it it all depends on when this thing starts to settle down because we haven't seen the worst of it yet. This thing is going to get worse before it gets better. And then you have to start to put, you know, the world back together before you can start playing hockey. So let's say this thing peaks within the next month. And so you're in mid April and then you finish a season by the end of April or into beginning of May. And yeah, maybe you have a condensed playoff. But I don't see them doing, you know, just top eight. I'd actually planned that out. I saw I thought maybe, you know, they would do uh first and central would get a buy, or the top in first division would get a buy, and then they'd face the winner of two, three in each division. But even oh. then that doesn't really that doesn't really shorten anything. I think you still end up with four rounds. So you'd have to do like uh, a best of three, a best of five, something like that. It's really hard to tell, and I think it's too early to to speculate on any of that. But I think I'm going to well, stick with my original prediction of, uh, yeah, I think I think it's a wash. I think I think we're not awarding the cup for the third time ever this year. Is that what it is? Third time ever? Yeah, 1918 Spanish flu, and then the 0405 lockout. Right. All right. Well, I'll give you my my. Uh feelings towards i think hockey who they don't believe in concussions they were the last league to shut things down will also be the first league to our first uh, league to shut things down they'll also be the first leagues to to start things up uh they'll play to some empty arenas uh before anybody else and they'll try and get the people in the door before anybody else because like you said chris uh basketball doesn't really care like they and it's not really affecting other sports nearly as much as the two that are right about to start the playoffs. So I think hockey is going to be the one that's going to feel the pressure being the little guy. And uh, I think they will do something. They'll come up with some sort of equitable way to finish the season where, uh, you know, some teams, uh, a points percentage makes sense. I know the AHL does that because they have some teams out on the West coast that uh, play, you know, whatever, six or eight games, whatever is less than other teams. But I think they'll actually, I think they like order so much that they'll try and do it like where every team will have played 74 games or something like that. 73, let's say, because there's just to kind of figure it out where teams still have a chance to get in or to make way. And so they'll find, you know, sort of matchups where that'll work, you know, maybe geographically and everything um, where the schedule will change, where all teams will play as close to, the same number of games or the exact same number of games as close to as many home and away games as uh, they possibly can and uh, and whatnot. So I think they'll every team will probably play another three or four games just to make that happen. And then I think your your idea, Chris, that you're not saying that you think it'll happen, but uh, some sort of a bridge playoff. But again, I think they're still going to go full 
um, just because it's NHL and uh, there'll be probably five game series uh, all the way through four and they will award a Stanley Cup on August the 2nd. There you go. Now, could you... Could Why you imagine not? that they use the current standings went by point percentage? The Jets yeah. would miss out on the second wild card by point one percent. Yeah, point isn't it point zero zero one percent? Yes. Or is it point one? Yeah. Well, it's like one hundred percentage. Right. Uh, I don't. It's 80, <laughs> 85 point four point eight five oh, four. Either right. One. Yeah. You're you're right. Yeah. You're right, Ryan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, in in that team that would beat them out by that point one percent is the Calgary Flames, who the Jets were supposed to play at this moment. This is going to be the first, this is the first game that they're missing. And it's arguably one of the most important games of the season. Now, <laughs> what's the more score? important? There's... <laughs> they're playing right now. Theoretically, um, let's just make up the score. The Jets are, uh, they're down 3-2 in the second. Kyle yeah. Connor, Ehlers, and, and Wheeler all have a goal. Two of them were on the power play. And, uh, no. Rassois was just kicked out. He fought. Uh, he fought. Uh, yeah, Cam Talbot. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, and Rich. He fought both of them at the same time. Both goalies. He went to drag the other one off the bench. Yeah, and, and now David Ayers is in net for Calgary. Isn't it Larry Walker? No, that's yeah. Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Did you guys see that goal? Did you guys see that? Yeah. Are you guys watching the game right now as we record? Lightning laser. Um, <laughs> what about a, they need a they need a training camp though too if they if they're off for for a month. Absolutely, like yeah. not That'll a be... not a preseason game, but like a five day. So there's another week, you know. Mm-hmm. But I you think... know, doing that before it's even recommended. It's it feels like. They'll be telling guys, start getting ready at home, start getting ready at home. And the, it, I don't think it'll be five days, it'll be three days, and it'll be three days and playing on the third night. And that's just kind of what they'll do. And the, like, again, I, I re- firmly, I'm with you, Chris. I think that's something that they'll do, but I firmly believe that the NHL will just force it, even though they maybe shouldn't. On the bright like- side, on the bright side, though, this might be the time off that's needed for Bufflin's ankle to heal. Yeah. <laughs> I think didn't I? I saw I him about, at Earl's. Go ahead. I saw him at Earl's tonight. He said if the Jets were back, he'd be playing. Oh, jeez, <laughs> we missed a chance. Uh, I, I I said Bufflin's been started quarantining before it was cool. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now, obviously, we need to move into this whole. COVID-19 thing, everybody shutting down, and now True North, this is where it's going to get a little bit uh, hairy and dicey, not paying their part-time staff, full-time staff makes sense that they pay the most people probably on salary of some sort and can maybe work from home with whatever they're doing, even though there's going to be less stuff to do. Uh, It's obviously been a big controversial thing. Everybody's talking about national media, local media, uh, because they're kind of keeping track of all the teams. Uh, Real bad look, I think overall, just optics-wise for True North, um, I know Chris and, and Ryan, I th- you know, we see each other's tweets and have had conversations. So I know exactly where we're all going to go with this. But I guess in, in before I kind of ask the question, what, what's your feeling about True North deciding not to pay these people? And, and also uh, Chipman's follow-up uh, letter. I'm sure you guys had a chance to read it. But there's a balance of liking a team and supporting a team and the players that you like and sort of the community uh, feel of having our team 
versus agreeing with organizational decisions. And I'm just kind of curious, how do you guys bridge that gap to sort of be like, yeah, I could still cheer for this team or can you, or can you just like be like, no, this is, you know, too far. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a good answer for it for the masses. I know how I kind of deal with it, but I'm curious for you guys. So uh, maybe Mac, we'll start with you. What do you, what do you think of all this stuff and how it plays out? Well, I have to say, I've never understood, and I've talked about this a few times on this podcast and the old podcast, um, I've never understood how fans fan, uh, and, and everybody's allowed to fan differently, don't don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to be on a soapbox or trying to, oh, my way is right and yours is wrong, but when the Jets left, I never understood how you could cheer for Keith Kachuk and Teppo Newman and, and, and Nikolai Habibulin in April, like with your dying breath. And then in October, you say, fuck those guys. Um, I never understood that because I'm cheering for the players, then the name on the team, like on the jersey, and then kind of that's it, right? Um, Because they're just a business after that. Um, This is – all of it's ridiculous to me. Um, When the Jets came back, it took me a couple of years to really get into them. I was obviously super obsessed with them, but I didn't really like them. I didn't like many of the players. I like Burmistrov and I like Kane. Um, you know, I wished a lot for Bogosian and that, but I didn't really like them because I didn't know the, the players and I didn't care that they were playing. I cared so much that they were playing in my city, but that's not why I love them. I loved them once Mark Shifley came around and Blake Wheeler turned into the guy he did and we got rid of Andrew Ladd. You know what I mean? Like that's when they became my team was the Ehlers and the Hellebach. Like these are our guys. We've seen them grow. And so now I love them that way. I love the guys, the Bufflin, right? That side of it. I don't understand people that side with the, with the hockey club. I don't understand people that call players greedy when there's a lockout. Do you rather the entertainment get the money or the billionaire old fogey white fucking pricks? <laughs> like they're not doing anything. They're just taking money to build arenas and they don't do anything else for you other than give a platform to a guy like Patrick Liney so we get to watch him score hopefully 30 or 40 goals in a season and enjoy that. That's all they're doing. They're just a they're just a middleman. So how people ever support them when they talk about money, I don't understand. We support them. Like I always say, fans don't owe sports franchises shit. They owe it to us because we spend the money for them. And what True North is doing to those part-time employees is an embarrassment. They're not required to pay them. I'm not even saying they that they should pay them. I'm just saying, fucking do the right thing. Right. Brian spent a whole bunch of time figuring out the math. There's other people on Twitter figuring out the math. Listen, if, if you or I, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, you can keep your coworkers working for two weeks and it'll cost you five bucks out of your pocket because that's about the equivalency, you think I'm ever thinking about that? That's not yeah. a question. It just It's a matter of um, optics. It's a matter of greed. It's just disgusting. It's 150000 whatever the number is. God, even if it's $5 million, look so, out for the people who make your franchise. So if I could, I'd like to go over a couple of those numbers. So 
when it was announced that True North wasn't going to pay their part-time workers, and like Chris said, they don't have to, they're not required to, and they're not going to, but they should because it's the right thing to do in a time right now with, with so much uncertainty. Now, the other night I asked um, if anyone worked for True North, if they could reach out to me, and I had a couple people reach out and and let me know how things kind of work. Just getting a ballpark of numbers so I can do just some simple math. Now, there's about 250 part-time workers at each uh, game. And they make about a dollar over minimum wage. Each event takes about five hours because you go in early, you have to leave late during the event. And there's four games left this year. So you go 250 times $15 an hour times five hours times four games. That's $75,000. That is nothing for a team that's pulling in over $100 million a year. Right? Now, if you add on to those other five events that Bell MTS plays, like Moose Games, the Disney on Ice, and whatever else there is in March, that's another $93,750. So you're sitting at $168,750 to pay your part-time workers. For the next two weeks. For, until the end of the month. For Until the end of March. Right, so, and I guess that, that's, you, a, that's an interesting point where you stop the math, Brian, because maybe, and as I'll let you continue here, what is reasonable? Because uh, should these people that are kind of out of a job, no fault of their own, uh, be paid until things start up again, or is like just kind of what would be normal scheduled shifts, which would be basically two weeks? You probably know in advance when you're going to be working, or should it be for the next month. I know there's other teams which you guys can each uh, pull uh, info off of that are doing certain things, probably different variations. But it, as you kind of continue here, Ryan, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time for these people to be paid if they're going to be? And again, like you said, they they're not required to do it at all. But if you're going to sort of make that gesture, what? What is uh, the gesture so that it also is not just, you know, fair and good to your people, but also kind of positive PR um, to the to the right level? You know what I mean? Like sort of matching what people that are complaining about it are also expecting. So maybe include that as well as you kind of finish your, your answer there. What am I expecting? Well, what's reasonable? So... So those people make a good point and say, well, what are you going to pay them now? And then in two months from now, they work those games and events that are just rescheduled and get paid over again. Yes. Why not do what Mark Cuban is doing? He's saying if there are people who need these shifts to pay their hydro bill, to pay their rent, to put food on the table, to buy 87 cases of toilet paper from Costco, then you can do this volunteer thing, right? He says, I will set something up. You put in some volunteer hours and you get paid. So you're still working and getting paid, right? You're not out of work. You're still getting money. And if you don't need the money, say it's just a second job to for a little bit extra, then you don't have to. I think that might be the right way to me. Right. Uh, that's, that's what I would expect at minimum from True North, I yeah. guess. And uh, that's a good point. But I just think when people raise the question, like, if they 
if they get paid now, do they get paid again later? Or like, what about all the other industries? Well, we're not talking about the other industries. We're talking about the Jets on Jets Twitter, you know, from people covering the team, talking about the team that we love. Like if people want to talk about what Walmart is doing or how other things cope, that's fine. But no other organization is essentially the face of the community. No other organization has as big of an impact probably downtown, at least that we see, right? And uh, no... Nobody is completely out of work in the same way, right? Like, I mean, even if there's less shifts at, say, Walmart, which there's probably more with stock in the toilet paper. But if I don't think other industries, everybody will be affected, right? But to have something go from something to nothing, I can't think. I've tried to think of it. I'm sure that I'm sure it's out there. I'm not being an idiot. I just haven't come up with the answer where they went from something to literally nothing. Like, so you can't even do anything. You can't you know, make, make it up or kind of have, you know, go to 60% capacity, right? So there is a difference and I don't know why people don't see that, but it doesn't, uh, when people ask these questions, it feels to me, well, that's not really that hard of a thing to, you, you got a whole bunch of full-time staff not doing anything. I'm pretty sure they could come up with some sort of rubric of fairness to do something like this, to implement it, to make sure that there's, you know, equity and equality and, and sort of um, stuff in place for people, right? It's, it's not that hard, but when people, they don't, they can't think of the answer themselves, they just assume there is no answer, right? And that's the part that's a bit frustrating when people are commenting online, you're like, okay, so you don't like the idea, but you haven't thought of any other solution or anything, and uh, so therefore there could, can't and, be one, right? And AJ, sort of half the Half the people that are saying they don't have to, they shouldn't, blah blah blah, would be blowing their loads if Chipman said, <laughs> "We're gonna, we're gonna pay them." Right. Oh, they're the best. Look at how much they do. It's the same group of people. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to just. They're on the people. side of the right. They're on the side of the corporation. It's not it has nothing to do with the actual opinion. And then they bring up those other things to try and back up their stupid logic. Like you said, there's no other industry that's affected by this that just turned out the lights. Right, that I can think of. Right? Yeah, Walmart, maybe. Walmart, slowing down. If you're a truck driver, if you're, you know, a mailman, you, you can see that it might happen. I don't have a backup plan, but I'm just not walking into work on a Wednesday and they're saying that's it. it it's not how it goes. There's at least some sort of, you know, you, you have some sort of warning, and we're talking about such a small fraction of yeah. of a the person's worth and b of the of the employment and that the, the actual amount of money that was that was one fifty fifty in the first three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like and, yeah. and 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 then you get these people making the argument. Well, shouldn't they have saved for a rainy day? And it's just part time work. Fuck off. They're students. A lot of them are people that are probably living on a pension, and some of them that they're they're there because that's the only way they can pay for childcare or the only way they can actually. You know, eat something other than craft dinner. Hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't I'm not saying you want to yeah. eat something else, but well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like to just yeah. assume you know how these people are spending their money and have money. Two hundred dollars a month isn't a lot of money in this world, but that's the difference between being able to survive and not being able to survive for a lot of people. Yeah, or or paying a credit card bill and not having to pay the interest, right? Pay right. the minimum or something, right? That's it. And we're getting your but, cell phone shut off and having to spend an extra, however much they charge to get it reconnected. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that amount. Yeah. I, yeah. I and think. I, go ahead. 
I was just going to say what annoys me is that those people are saying, well, True North doesn't have to do anything. Or the same people are saying, well, why doesn't Blake Wheeler chip in a hundred grand? <laughs> he makes millions a year. And I'm seeing some of that. Like, there's just no thought or consideration put into this. It's just that the company, True North, can't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like, this and is it's a, everybody else's problem. A company that gets money from VLTs, uh, which takes advantage of um, at risk people with addiction and, and mental issues, they take money out of the right, right from the government to subsidize their shit. And I saw somebody talking about Calgary. Those fucking owners in Calgary went to the city for 10, 15 years talking about, we need the money to build this arena because we're so good in the community. We're so important. We're so important. And now they're turning around and doing the same thing in Calgary and not paying their part-time staff for shifts they were already scheduled to work. After you're going to stand in front of City Hall and tell people what a great corporate, uh, you know, corporate citizen you are, go fuck yourself. And how much... Does True North get from the city in tax cuts? Does anyone have that number in front of them? No, you, you'll have to go back and listen to the Bartley Kivis uh, episode. They, he does actually talk about all that. But uh, uh, yeah, there there is some stuff there. But I mean, uh, obviously they do some good stuff for the community too. But this just no feels doubt. like an, no another doubt. example. Yeah, so it's not just a complete shit on, but at this moment, it feels appropriate to sort of call them out for this. And a lot of people are doing it, including media too, right? But I think... Like, I made a little kind of point of noting this season alone, some of the tone-deaf kind of PR stuff that the Jets have done. I think they kind of bungled, you know, what they told us about uh, Bufflin's uh, nothing sinister uh, injury and time away from the team. And it's still kind of not even resolved, right? We were told it was getting done soon by, I think, Frank Cervelli was the last one to report on it. And still nothing's done. So the PR around the whole Bufflin situation was bad. Right, the the two weeks that it took for Kevin Sawyer to apologize, I just there there might be a good reason for it, but we certainly never heard of it. The optics of it though looked really really bad. His apology was fine, like uh, all that. Obviously, the situation wasn't what it appeared at first. Yada yada. I'm not making a comment on that, but just the way that it was handled seemed so poor that they took that long to make a very basic apology and realize that they kind of stepped in it a bit. So the Sawyer thing was bad. The Buff thing was bad. I mean, the Maurice basically coming out and saying that he was extended last summer before even seeing the results of this season, right? Um, and that it was just sort of a 10-minute meeting and they, they basically had the contract. I think that was a little bit toned down. Now, I know some people are obviously pro-Maurice and some are against. Uh, everyone knows pretty much where we stand on it. But I just think even the time... Great coach. Was, it, was, it, was, it was announced after a loss... Um, like wh- why they don't just wait till the summer? Why they got to do these pre-signings always a year early? Like the the uh, the bad Blake Wheeler contract and the bad Brian Little, or you know those will turn out to be worse than they 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 should have been, right? Just because of age. So why they they did that one early didn't really make sense. It would have made more sense in the summer. Uh, then also the ticket increases, right? Where they know that they're sort of getting hit hard on stuff and they, you know, they dropped the prices on some of the concessions. Okay, fine, whatever. They're all overpriced anyhow. Um, but the, the, the fact that they still went, they, they know that the, the ticket season or the season ticket people, that base is kind of shrinking. A lot of people not renewing and we know this. So if anybody wants to kind of just say, how do you know it? I mean, just look around, talk to a couple of people. It's not that hard to figure out, um, but that they still continue to increase ticket prices anyhow. Right. And then the, the bring trotting out Bobby Hall right at the um, who was honored this year to, uh, into the 
um, the thing. It was well, Carlisle and Steen, right? They were brought in, and they have to bring up Bobby Hall again, which uh, whether you like him or not, you, you can't deny that there's some problematic stuff in his past. I won't get all into it, but it's there. So there's another PR fail. And then you add this, the not paying the part-time staff. This is all this year. This is this season, right? I, I don't know how much more good faith is is left, especially after this one. And that the fact that uh, Chipman doubled down on it too, saying, yeah, we're not paying these people in, in a press release today. It just feels like I don't really know if they have their finger on the pulse of the community at all, except for the people that will just go to bat with it for them. There. Regardless, it's it's mind-boggling to me that they can bungle it this badly because those are just a couple examples. And it, as big of a True North fan as someone could be, you can't say that all these things were handled so perfectly or couldn't have been done much better, right? Uh, am I crazy or what? You, you're talking about a franchise that up until like 12 months ago didn't have to do a single thing. We've talked before on the show about how they dropped the rebuild, in my opinion. They took way too long. They should have traded everybody except for Buffalo and Wheeler when they first got here. People were coming anyway. So the rebuild took five years longer than it should have to start. They've never fired anybody other than Claude Noel. Anybody. You're 10 years in. The Moose and coach. you've only won one coach in 10 years. No assistant coaches. No general manager change. No, the two scouts have retired or whatever. Um, and you've won three playoff series in 10 years. Um, they don't get it. They, they didn't have to work for the first nine, eight and a half, nine years. And now everything's crumbling around them despite a decent team and decent on ice product, decent, passable. Uh, you're not getting what you should be getting out of the talent you have, but that's another story. But you, you're losing your season ticket renewals. You, people are fed up with the prices for the entertainment value. They finally realize we need to buy some lights to shine on the ice. Uh, we need to play better music. We need, like, 10 years in, you're just figuring this out. They don't know how to handle PR. They only walk back, right? They wait to hear the backlash, and then they apologize for it. Or don't. They're, they're just clueless. They're, I've been saying it, and it's a joke. But it's not. They're an AHL franchise. That's what got them into the NHL. And they are just stayed there. They're too fucking loyal to their people. They refer to them in that fucking fan fest as family, family, family. And that's all it is. It's a cult. And I don't, I'm not a fan. Nailed I'm it. fan of the players. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, some of them. But the, 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 I don't, I'll, I, yeah, I, I, am I going to, I've never, I, I've yelled True North once. I'll never, I will never do that. And I'm not sure when I'll buy a ticket again. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I don't see a whole lot of what goes on outside of the team. So if True North is getting tax breaks and, and people are in True North's calling the cops the people who want to play street hockey on their publicly owned land or whatever it is. I, I don't see that stuff because I'm not in Winnipeg, but it's just when you really hone in on the hockey stuff, you're right. There's just so much negativity around it. I find it really hard to wanting to shell out $200 to go watch a game, right? There's not enough people. Uh, and we talked about the, was this? 
at the beginning of the year, AJ, or last year about that it's time for them to start worrying about selling out that rink? I think it was this time last year. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, honestly, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Yes, we, we, we we've touched on it before. For sure. they, need to, they need to start doing shit now. And I said not to be an alarmist, blah, 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 blah. And look what happened. We all know people that you never thought you could, they would take their season tickets to the grave <laughs> that are not renewing this year. And you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned this to Ryan the other day. We were chatting on, on the phone and I said, just the responses. I think it was uh, Mike McIntyre's tweet just about uh, where Chipman had mentioned uh, not paying the players. And the responses, I mean, you always get people that say, oh, they don't have to do anything. And then you get the other people that say, oh, what a terrible organization. We hate them. You know, just taking money, you know, money grubbing for the tax, you know, benefit of it. Uh, but there's a, a lot of responses I've been seeing online, and this is what I share with Ryan, where it's like, I had always thought better of them, but I don't anymore. That is different. You've always had your detractors and you've always had your, you know, your fans, right? Or the, the people that go to bat for you no matter what. But to see that turn, right, is something that that's an unusual one. You don't usually see that. And there's been, a, I don't want to say a groundswell, but pretty consistent to see a lot of those types of comments and that means you're losing people right you're that that's not the people you've already lost not you know uh arby right who used to be part of uh the earlier versions of this podcast you know a couple of years ago right who's just kind of like oh, i'm down with the jets the, the worst organization or something whatever right now i'm not going to speak for him but y you know you lose guys like that that were all in and now they're out and now they're kind of uh, negative towards it. But to actually see people that, like you say, Mac, people that you thought would go to the grave with their tickets and, and didn't really seem to um, have that grid for criticizing but still enjoying it but sort of wanting to see things different, everything was great. Those people say no more to the tickets and then the other uh, people that was like, oh, my gosh, I, I thought – these guys were good, and and I don't I don't like what I'm seeing here. And the examples that I gave of the other PR fails, I think, just kind of add to that, right? Like it it just doesn't seem like that it's in a good spot right now. Then you get a work stoppage like this as well, yeah. right? And then if the Jets do not make the playoffs, right? And then if the offseason doesn't go well, right? Yeah. I mean, all the ticket renewals are in or out already. That that window's already closed. But um, yeah, it just doesn't look good now, and and honestly, it kind of makes things going forward not look very very good either for the organization as a whole right here's the thing in anything in life it's the 20 60 20 right 20 people will 20 percent of people will 20 percent of people won't 60 percent will go either way um so you had your you had your 80 for the first nine years if if the 80 goes the other way that 20% in Winnipeg, Manitoba isn't big enough. It's big enough in Toronto, and it's big enough even in Vancouver, and it's big enough even in San Jose. It's not big enough in Winnipeg. So you need the 80 to be in, or you're done. Yeah. And the 80 is not in right now. The 80 is the other way. It might be different. It might be 50-50 or whatever, but you know what I'm saying. It's not the same as it was the first eight seasons. Right. Have you guys that, seen – sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's it. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, yep, it's sure. changed and, and you can't yeah. have that. If it happens in Toronto, it doesn't matter. They're still going to sell out the place. If it happens in New York, it doesn't matter. The Knicks have sucked for 20 years. They still sell out every game or close to it. And I, I know it doesn't matter, but they still do. 
But in a city like Winnipeg, everybody has to be on board, or at least the 80% need to be on board. Yeah. We're getting a little long here. So, Ryan, how about you go with the last word? Then I got a couple uh, couple things to promote for us. Go for it, Ryan. Uh, I was just going to say, have you seen the local media actually go after True North like they have over this? I mean, it's not everyone, but I, I feel like there's some passive aggressiveness, too, because they don't want to come out and say it. Yeah. Well, Paul Friesen always seems to go hard at the, the club. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely been some. There's some others, and I don't want to. I don't want to name names, but there's there's others as well where you see, on on Twitter, like they're not maybe they're not writing articles about it, but they're mm-hmm. but they're all on Twitter. We all see them and interact with them, and there's some yep. that are you can tell that they're yep. they don't agree I, with it. Scott Scott Billick's been super vocal, and I think it's great. I yep. mean. I think the thing that they saw, it's a little different subject. A lot of the media guys forget is that they're building their own brand. And I think if you can relate um, and you can make your screenshots um, so we can read them, (laughs) that would be good. But um, (laughs) we can relate to you if you relate to us. Right. And I think Scott's really showing that this, these last two or three days, he cares for those people. He probably has friends and stuff that, that need that money. And um and even if he doesn't, he's showing compassion to the people that deserve it. And not I don't think David Thompson deserves our fucking compassion right now. Isn't that what it comes down to? Yeah. Really? At the end of the day, I think the people that work four-hour, five-hour shifts a couple nights a week deserve our compassion. And not multi, not the third richest person in the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen uh, the statement by Mark Cuban in the last four hours no so what he's planning on doing no give her do you want me to read the whole thing Um, okay close notes let's go i'm gonna read the whole thing now (laughs) the dallas mavericks have been a part of the north texas community for 40 years and are committed to supporting local vendors businesses and nonprofits. okay point is is if you if you buy it so they're partnering up with local business in dallas area so if you go purchase shit locally instead of Walmart or Target, that money is going to be funneled back into the employees that are currently laid off. Sounds like so. There's there's a grand idea instead of just saying fuck them. I'm not paying them. I don't like swearing, but I did. Sorry right. um, for for the podcast. For the podcast. Um, anyhow, let's uh, wrap here, guys. I think. Everybody will have to grapple with their uh, the fallout and what that looks like for them. I'm sure some of the employees will probably move on, right? I, it won't be surprising to see some uh, True North, uh, you know, help wanted ads coming up. Like, and, and I'm being serious. And 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 again, some people maybe they'll find some some new fans along the way that weren't into hockey at all and don't have any context for any of this stuff. But again, I think this is uh, kind of a bad look for them. They don't have to do anything, but uh, they probably should. And uh, I think that they would endear them to the the fans and to the people that actually work in the building that uh might feel a little more like spitting in your burger who knows right and <laughs> not accusing anybody of doing that but yeah, whatever you want to keep your people happy and i think they should do a better job of that but um okay so a couple things to to mention uh that are coming up now this is funny because it actually involves uh, true north but it involves other uh, 
and stuff too. Um, the All Star January is coming up. It's a, it's a benefit concert for the Project Eleven and Bruce Oak Recovery Center. Roddy from the podcast is involved with that. Also, I think True North Youth Foundation is involved with that. But um, that was an event that was supposed to happen March 21st. Obviously, like everything else, it's being delayed. So we're not sure exactly when that is going to be happening. But uh, Mike, Mikey McMike Face and his wife Barb have actually donated two tickets uh, to that. Um, tickets are $39 or $49 a piece, I believe. Um, Roddy mentioned it last time on the podcast. So um, once we know a date for that, we'll give away those tickets. So thanks to uh, Mike and Barb for their generous donation to the podcast to allow some people to go check out this uh, benefit thing. So thank you for doing that. Um, coming up this week, probably going to have an interview with Jacob Stoller. He works for, I think it's called AHL Today. He covers the moose. He used to be involved with, you might remember, Arctic Ice Hockey or Jets Nation. Um, I think he was a uh, the head person at one of those places at one point. Um, anyhow, he covers the moose, so I'm uh, going to be doing an interview with him coming out next week. Also, I'm doing an interview, I believe, tomorrow with Eric Dunkel. So if anybody's been following us on Twitter, you'll notice uh, pumping up this guy and all of his awesome, awesome, awesome Jets or uh, uh, Jersey uh, color rush retakes uh, uh, ideas that he's had. He doesn't work for anybody as far as I know, but Adidas needs to hire this man. So I'm going to just talk to him about jerseys because there's no hockey. So uh, I think that's coming out. Uh, I'm chatting with him tomorrow and uh, we'll see when it comes out. And then uh, Ryan and Mac. Mac, you don't know this yet, but you guys are eventually going to be doing something with the PTP guys. Mac, you remember we recorded with them for the Finland trip last year. They're guys that run a podcast about the Florida Panthers. And uh, we were supposed to play the Florida Panthers in about three games, so we thought it'd be a fun thing just to, you know, talk stick and puck with them. So that'll probably be coming up in the next, you know, who knows now uh, if we'll have a big rush of content or none without the hockey, but there's always stuff to talk about. So that'll be coming up. Mac and Ryan, you guys are doing that with those guys. Uh, we also want to do a trivia episode. Uh, we talked, um, Mac and I talked with Ace Burpee about doing this last year. He was on the podcast. Uh, we did do, actually do a trivia episode, but it wasn't with him. So we definitely need to do a trivia thing with uh, out some hockey. So you can look forward to, to that happening hopefully sooner than later. Hey, Mac, I will touch base with Ace and see if that works. Um, also, uh, Jake Heisinger uh, has now taken a promotion with uh, Winnipeg Ice, and uh, he's somebody I've been trying to talk to since the beginning of the year, and it's been all on my end of failing to actually follow through with that. So I think you're going to do that sooner than later, talk with Jake Heisinger of the Winnipeg Ice, and uh, check out the Blackbird Brasserie, friend of the show, and um, uh, uh, logo creator. Uh, Richard is one of the owners there, so uh, they've been our sponsor in the sense that he's donated a bunch of time to create wicked logos for us which uh, everybody has had great uh, comments on so uh, blackbird brassery on tache support local right so uh that's it for stuff coming up oh oh, oh, oh uh, i'm gonna say one more thing you can all thank me anybody who uses the athletic i messaged marat the other day i said what the hell is up with your standings on the athletic app they only showed conference standings and league standings they never showed like wildcard standings or uh, sort of playoff race standings, and they've actually changed that in the last couple of weeks. So everybody worldwide who subscribes to the Athletic could thank me for bringing that to their attention and saying, "What the hell? Like, is this a real app or not?" So uh, there you go. I, I fixed the Athletic. So you can so all can you can you do a poll of what's more important, the Athletic app changing or me getting the shot clock on the TSN broadcast for Jets games? Honestly, that was big too. I mean, that's Ryan. Yeah, you know, what are you, what are you gonna do? So how are you going to change the world? <laughs> yeah, right. How are you going to change how Winnipeg uh, fans uh, enjoy sports? Because you're right, Chris, you did bring that up, and it was quickly uh, 
they did do something about it, whether it was related or not, or whether mine was related or not. We can certainly look at the timeline and see that uh, we could take credit for it, and it seems reasonable. So, Ryan, what's your what's your thing? What are you going to do for us? I'm going He's gonna to. Get paid. <laughs> what's that? You're going to get them motherfuckers paid. No. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, I am a starting a GoFundMe. I'm actually <laughs> going to break into Bell MTS Place and then just sell off assets one at a time until everyone gets paid. Boom, bada bing. Um, no, Ryan, your job is, uh, in, I think it was in Columbus where they actually show uh, the Corsi and uh, all those uh, fancier-esque stats, uh, expected goals for on the scoreboard. Um, so you're going to get True North to to add that to the scoreboard. So uh, next Jets game, whenever they show up, whether it's October or sooner, uh, expect to see that on the scoreboard, and you can thank Ryan for that. You're welcome. All right, that's it. Thanks for everybody for listening to Jet Centric Podcast and Ryan and uh, Chris for joining me to do this nonsense. It was fun. And I think we covered a lot of ground. Good job, guys. COVID-80 podcast episode. Wash your hands. Wipe your bums. I like turtles. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.